You are Locked On Patriots, your daily New England Patriots podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All of you Foxborough faithful, you are now locked into the Locked On Patriots podcast. It is Wednesday, December 8th, 2021, and it's time for a visit from the Countess of Class to talk some tight endage and some bi-week New England Patriots football right here on your daily home for news, notes, and analysis infused with the occasional opinion on your six-time Super Bowl champions, the New England Patriots. And today's episode of Locked On Patriots is brought to you by On Location. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL, and it's the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl On Location. Greetings and salutations, Patriots Nation. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Wednesday episode of the pod. And thank you once again for making Locked On Patriots a daily part of your New England Patriots coverage and your first listen every day. My name is Mike DeBate, and in addition to covering your New England Patriots for Patriot Maven of Sports Illustrated, I am your host of the Locked On Patriots podcast, which of course is a proud part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And folks, because it's your team every day, that means your questions, your comments, your feedback, they're always welcomed, very much appreciated. So share that feedback. Send it to the internet by reaching out to me and following me on Twitter at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-N-F-L. And while you're out there doing some Wednesday wandering through the Twitterverse, please be sure to follow the Locked On Patriots account on Twitter at L-O underscore Patriots. Folks, you heard me correctly in the introduction. It is Wednesday, which means a visit from the Countess of Class herself, the Empress of Tight Endage, the Queen of TE, and the Baroness of Blockers, my good friend, Claire, Classy Claire Cooper, writer for Pat's Propaganda and Full Press Coverage Patriots, stops by the pod. And of course, if Claire's in the house, you know we're going to be talking some tight endage. Not all Janu Smith and Hunter Henry, after all, in Monday's game... Neither one of them exactly played a big role, although Janu did account for 50% of the catches on Mac Jones' thrown passes. Problem is, Mac Jones only threw three passes and completed two of them. Janu happened to have one of them, the longest reception of the night for 12 yards. Yeah, I know, folks, it still doesn't sound right, but bottom line, I still don't go for all of the negativity surrounding this. It's part of the game plan. Get over it. Mac's going to be just fine when he comes back and the New England Patriots get back into action on Saturday, December 18th against the Indianapolis Colts. But here today on Locked On Patriots, Claire and I will discuss a little bit of John U. Smith and Hunter Henry, but we'll also talk about Claire's thoughts on the game, what impressed her the most about the Patriots' win over the Bills. We'll talk a little bit about Adrian Phillips and the stout coverage that he provided on Bills tight end Dawson Knox, preventing him from being a factor in this game. Last but certainly not least, it is the bye week. So because there will be no tight endage action this weekend for the New England Patriots, we'll talk a little bit about some of Claire's favorite tight end memories through the first part of the 2021 season. 
Folks, a lot to get to. Whenever Claire joins the show, it's always a lot of fun. The voice, the laugh, the giggle, we know it all, but it is the wit, the wisdom, and the counsel that brings her back here each and every week. And in just a moment, my good friend, the Countess of Class herself, Claire Cooper of Pat's Propaganda and Full Press Coverage Patriots, will join me here on the hot seat when this Wednesday episode of the Locked On Patriots podcast continues. Locked On listeners, Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium is less than 100 days away, and On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star L.A. hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information, or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56, or search Super Bowl on location. Patriots fans near and far, we continue to savor the Patriots' 14-10 victory over the Buffalo Bills in Week 13 of the 2021 NFL season. Monday night football, Pats getting the victory, moving to 9-4 on the season. And, of course, they remain in the top spot in the AFC, in the AFC East. And right now, the sky seems to be the limit for the New England Patriots. Still a lot of football left, four games remaining on the schedule, and none of them are going to be easy. But since it's the bye week... We're not only going to continue to savor this victory for a little bit longer, we're also going to take a look back at some of the great moments that have happened to the New England Patriots in the 2021 season thus far. Today's focus is going to be very tight and centric. And folks, you know who's going to be joining me here on the hot seat today. Our newest regular here on Locked On Patriots, and I for one could not be happier that she joins me here each and every week on Wednesday. We all know and love the giggle, the laugh, the accent. It's part of her charm, but what brings her back here each and every week is the wit, the wisdom, and the spot-on analysis that she is able to provide, not just on the tight endage, folks, but all over the gridiron. You know her great work as a columnist and writer for PatsPropaganda.com. She is the third esteemed voice of One Patriot's Place with our good friend Murph and our good friend Steve Balistrieri. And, of course, a special contributor and columnist for Full Press Coverage Patriots, a site that is very near and dear to my heart. Claire does great work for them in addition to her own phenomenal podcast, A Claire Perspective, which, once again, folks, smash that subscribe button. You will not be sorry. The listen she provides are phenomenal, you'll be entertained, you'll be informed, and really what more can you ask for in a podcast? She is the Countess of Class herself, the Queen of TE, the Baroness of Blockers, and leaving one out, but uh, in any case, you know who's joining me today. Claire, Classy Claire Cooper joins me from West Midlands in the UK across the pond. Claire, thank you for joining me. Welcome back to Locked On Patriots. Oh, you're so welcome. And you, you missed out. The, the funny thing is you missed out the one that you invented, which was the Empress of Tight Ended. The Empress and that, of and that was the one ended, you came up with. But yes, yep. it's fun to be back in my chair. I now have dragged my own chair into the uh, Locked On Patriots room of, of guests. So I now have my own little Wednesday spot. So I'm very excited. Do, I am loving this. Thank you, everybody that had anything to do with this. I'm loving it. Wednesday for me. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the person that had the most to do with it is you. You, you know, you're um, <laughs> seriously. I mean, you know, our listeners clamor for it. They love listening to you. We love having Juan here. You know that. 
Uh, and uh, as long as the people want it, we're going to give the people what they want. And what they wanted was more Claire on Wednesday. And you can't <laughs> argue with that. No one can argue with that. Um, and it is, like I said, the, the wit, the wisdom, the giggle, the, we, we all love that. But it's the spot on analysis and your ability to extract information and be able to explain it in, in a measure that really is, I think, unique in this business. And I mean that in a good way, is what keeps you coming back here on Locked On Patriots each and every week. That earns you the regular spot here. Uh, and uh, bottom line, I'm very grateful to you for taking the time out and joining me each and every week. And uh, Claire, it's been an era of good feelings since you've joined us here. I like to think that after your regular appearances, the New England Patriots started winning. If you look at the calendar, <laughs> folks, that win streak started coinciding with Claire joining me here on the airwaves more regularly. Coincidence? I don't know. But you never know. You really never know. Um, all kidding aside, uh, the Patriots were... I believe they were impressive in this victory over the Buffalo Bills on Monday. I know you're going to get a lot of colleagues in the media, a lot of our colleagues in the media that are going to disagree with that. And they're going to poke holes in it. They're going to tell you that Mac threw the ball three times. That means Bill has no confidence in him heading into uh, um, the wintry parts of the uh, the season here in New England, that he's not able to throw through the wind, through the snow, through elements. Um, Steve and I talked about that yesterday. Steve Balistrieri and I of PatsFans.com discussed that a little bit, and we kind of debunked that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> there is still a lot of people that will tell you, well, the Patriots, you know, they got timely stops, and there were a couple of broken plays. Things could have gone here and there. Uh, good performance, but not a dominant performance. And one thing I will say about analysts is I think that the snark machine tends to come out a little bit more when you look at performances in, in those types of a lens. When you think that every performance on the field should be dominant, and it's just not going to happen each and every time. But the Patriots, I think, won with smart coaching, timely plays, and execution that only this team seems to be able to do. And when you boil it right down, it's because they're just well, more well-prepared than any other team. Claire, when you look at uh, Monday night's game, what were your takeaways? What were your uh, impressions? And what impressed you most about the Patriots' victory on Monday? Well, I can see why, kind of, as you said, the sort of the media, the opinion out there is kind of semi-negative because, you know, it wasn't a sparkly game. It was, you know, mm. it was low scoring, stuff like that. It was, and yeah, we didn't see a lot of Mac. He didn't air it out. But a, a lot of that is to do with, as as Paul mentioned, the weather and stuff like this. So I can appreciate why people would be sort of down on the game in that respect. To me, it was like they beat the Bills and really long and short of it, as as the Patriots fan that I am, that's what it held it for me is they beat the Bills in the Bills house. And that's what was important. But I can see why there's a bit of a kind of a Debbie Downer on the game. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't much. It, it was all it was all run game and things like this. But that ultimately means it was, you know, there was significant coaching advantages, as, as you said, that, that they got. And it flustered the Bills coaching staff. I mean, um, McDermott was like, he was wicked on the side, you know, on the sidelines <laughs> and stuff like this. So, yeah, I can see why it's not a game that you, you know, it's not going to go down in history as the most exciting game. It was, I thought it was kind of nerve wracking because going forward, going into it, it, it was concerning the 
you know, the Bills are a good team. Uh, I want to say that they were, but I'm pretty sure that they're going to bounce back from it. So, but, you know, that game really didn't kind of show them at their peak. They had one of the top defences in the NFL, that sort of thing. So, you know, it, it's kind of unfortunate for them in that respect. But, yeah, I, I'm i of the opinion of, I wouldn't say it was a great game. I didn't have it going up there as a great game. But that's more because of the nerves as a fan watching it than anything else, really. And there was no tight end touchdown. So, you know me, I like me to have a tight end touchdown. I mean, there's a few things, to be honest. As most of the listeners, and you, as you've said, the Patriots are now top of the AFC. Seven wins on the road seven sorry seven wins in a row all of the road games won so far and I found out Belichick is in his 11th season or with his 11th season with a seven game win streak there's all sorts of statistics and stuff that back up this game being you know great in that respect but you know me I'm not all about the numbers so the great thing about the game was that the Patriots told the Bills they were going to run the ball. They stood there and told them, we're going to run the ball on you. And they did. And they did it successfully. And they did it, as I mentioned, in the Bills' house. So they ran all over the Bills in their own house. And that was it. And I mean, I hate the Bills. There's no offence to any Bills fans that might be listening. It is nothing personal. It's business. AFC East business. The Bills are, or maybe were, a very strong, dominant team. Their defence, as I mentioned, the top of the NFL. And I admitted, as I mentioned, I was a little bit worried over the game. But the Patriots did what I asked them to do. Kind of. They crushed the Bills. The offensive <laughs> line particularly, my beloved O-line, crushed the Bills. And I am absolutely loving it. So as for the game itself being great, not great, it just depends on how you want to look at it and what you want to use to judge if the game is great or not. If you think the game's any great because there was a lot of Mac Jones, then no, not necessarily. If you think the game is great because the defence really shows up, then yeah, phenomenal. It, it really depends on which perspective you want to take. As I mentioned, mine is just... They beat the Bills. They completely beat the Bills and they built the they beat the Bills at home. So it was another on the road win. And that's it. They crushed the Bills. And that's all I really take away from it is they did perform really well in a lot of areas and they won. What else do you need to look at, really? It's true. It really is. And again, I think a lot of times what you look at, especially either from a casual fan or from someone that's, you know, tuning into this game, looking for a balanced attack. I understand if you're a fan of Mac Jones or if you're looking to watch to see what this rookie can do, especially on a national stage, it's an unorthodox strategy to have your quarterback mm -hmm. only yeah. throw the ball three times and not utilize some of the passing weapons that he has because for all of the people that want to say the Patriots have no one to throw to, I don't see that as much anymore. But Claire, we've heard it. We've heard that wide receiver core mm -hmm. is trash. We see the trash bucket and all that <sighs> ridiculous stuff that goes on on social media, um, they do have uh, two very capable tight ends, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. But <laughs> the receiving core has started to round into form as well. Jacoby Myers has been solid. Nelson Aguilar has been, uh, you know, good in spots. Kendrick Bourne has really been one of the bright spots oh, in this yeah. offense this year. But bottom line, when you win a game like that, it's one in the trenches. And Steve and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, and I think you articulated it very well uh, also. 
offensive line, in my opinion, deserves the game ball. Their ability to push back, their ability to stand up, protect the run. I want to give a lot of credit to your guy, Jakob Johnson. I want to give a lot of credit to Nikhil Harry, even though I know it's oh, fashionable so for fun. him to continue <laughs> to be the whipping boy when it comes to that. That was a bad muff. Yeah. There was no question about it. And, you know, Nikhil deserves to be taken, you know, to task for that. There's no, you know, uh, problem, uh, you know, criticizing him for that one. But if he didn't spring and make that block for Damian Harris, a 64-yard touchdown run, Patriots don't get that touchdown at that time. And who knows, maybe they don't put the ball into the end zone there. So everything happens for a reason. There's ebbs and flows within the game. And to me, I think, yeah, people are looking at this offensively and making criticism for the Patriots, but no one is criticizing the defense. And the defense, to me, is what won them this game. They held the Bills to 3.2 yards per rush on 19 running back carries. They had a success rate of 14%. That took... Buffalo's running game and say what you will about Buffalo's running game. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss and even Matt Breda can prove that they can run the ball effectively if given the opportunity to do so. The Patriots took that completely away. That's surprising because normally when you play the Bills, you want to take away the tight end. You want to take away the slot receiver. You want to take away the outside threats, Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs without question. But Mm -hmm. the Bills, the Patriots almost looked at the Bills and said, all right, we know what your strength is, but you're not prepared for this win the way we're going to be. We're going to dare you, Josh Allen, to throw the ball (laughs) into the wind. And for everyone that says that the Patriots didn't trust Mac throwing down the field, when you're only completing a very small percentage of your passes and Josh Allen, who has a rocket for an arm, was having difficulty cutting through that win, save for that one brilliant completion between he and Stephon Diggs, which probably was the offensive play of the game. I mean, you have to, you know, give credit where credit is due. It was a phenomenal throw and a catch uh, by the uh, receiver uh, quarterback comp there. But when you're daring Josh Allen to do it and it's difficult for him to do it and throw into the wind and you hold him to 15 of 30 on 145 yards, you know that defensive game plan is sound. So Patriots take away, once again, what the Bills do best and they have success for it. And again, I think it comes down to them being just more prepared than the Bills were. You heard Bill Belichick after the game, you know, come out and say, that's why we practice in this this family show, you know, this, this stuff, <laughs> you know, everybody knows what he said, but it's the truth. They do that. Yeah. Bill's practiced indoors this week, Patriots outside, giving it everything that they've got in all weather conditions and preparing their players for anything and everything that they might see in Buffalo. And it worked to their advantage. So once crushed, again, the Patriots uh, crushed the Bill's hopes and dreams. And that's what the Patriots are here for to crush the Bill's hopes and dreams. <laughs> well, let's not get ahead of ourselves here, Countess. There is another game on the 26th of December, and that Buffalo Bills team is resilient. Although I don't know, after the comments made by Sean McDermott post game, who knows if there's dissension in the ranks up in Buffalo right now? Uh, it seemed to be uh, that team really, really took this loss hard. You saw a lot of uh, um, a lot of unglued uh, players and coaching staff for Buffalo there, but if they collect themselves, that talent on both sides of the ball still makes them, I think, one of the Patriots' chief uh, you know, competitors in this uh, conference right now because of what they can do on both sides. So I'm not willing to write the epitaph to the Buffalo Bills just yet, but boy, I'll tell you, it would be interesting if the Patriots were able to beat them in week 13 and in week 14, 
old buddy Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do a solid for their old coach and defeat the <laughs> Buffalo Bills and put the Patriots yet even higher in the pecking order for the AFC East title. Claire, it's inevitable. You and you come on. It's I believe we're contractually obligated to do this, not just by you, but also by my employers. We're going to talk tight endage, and everybody knew we were going to. Uh, not an impressive day for the tight ends. Not an impressive day for any receiver for the New England Patriots. When you throw the ball three times, you can't expect uh, anything out of the ordinary. But the New England Patriots uh, did get some contributions from their tight ends on uh, Monday night, even though the stat sheet doesn't really bear it out. I still thought Hunter Henry did a very good job of blocking in this game. You saw him in mm-hmm. situational uh, you know, uh, downs. And in a lot of ways, I think that really, uh, you know, helped uh, solidify the Patriots offensive line. He didn't get a whole lot of snaps because you saw a way new lineup at tight end a lot. Patriots were going very heavy with that jumbo package in the uh, um, in the uh, the offensive line. John Smith uh, was a little bit of an of an anomaly. He did get 39 snaps on um, on Monday night, mostly deployed as a blocker, but he did have the distinction of hauling in the one and only completed pass. So two, uh, only <laughs> one of the two completed passes by uh, uh, by Mac Jones. Uh, that was a 12-yard gain. Um, Claire, when you look at the tight end, uh, you know, stat sheet, and you look at their performance on the field, what was going through your mind as you were watching this game? And now that you've had maybe a day to kind of digest it a little bit, uh, how would you rate the performance of the tight ends in this one? Well, first of all, you say stat sheet and I'm kind of, you know me, I'm not huge into the numbers. I do sometimes quote the numbers, but it isn't always, the numbers don't give you the full picture. You can't always look at the numbers and and get what went on. And in all fairness, yeah, as you said, three throws, you're not going to get much out of the tight ends anyway from from a game that only puts that down. But you've got to look at what the guys do on the field as well, because you don't really get significant stats coming through for blocking and stuff like that. So as you mentioned before, I know he's not a tight end, so I'm, I'm just kind of curbing that comment for a second. But in regards to Jakob Johnson, he's been phenomenal this year. But it's not really a numbers game for him. It, it, it's a what he's doing in front of your eyes sort of thing. And so he's, you know, the epitome of the guy that's kind of not really going to show up on your sheet, but he's doing the the team such a, a good service kind of thing. So, I mean, Hunter and Johnny played well, considering the kind of, you know, the type of game that was played there. As you said, Mac only threw three times. So. Johnny had himself an epic catch, as you mentioned. And although, okay, it was it was a single play sort of thing. Yes, and he's only one player against the whole of the game. But it showed off his athletic ability. I think I've been a little bit down kind of-ish on Johnny at the moment. And when I say that, I don't mean like on him. But I just mean concern over him kind of clicking in the team and being able to be the you know like the best version of himself if you like because of his injuries and I've, I've kind of been concerned that that's really affected the the, um, the significance the amount that they they would utilize him but I think it just needs to be a little bit of patience sprinkling in and I say that more on me than like anyone else because he is slowly developing. We are slowly seeing what this guy can do. And he, and he is a very good player. And I think it's just we haven't been fortunate enough to be able to see a, sort of enough of him to kind of give him a great rating that he probably deserves. And a lot of it falls down to 
as I've mentioned on previous shows before, just the time and the consistency of having him in the team in regards to having that shoulder injury sort of. So hopefully the, the buy might even benefit him the, the time the time off and then he can come back and hopefully we actually get to see a lot more out of him for the last four games of the season that would be very interesting although I know that we've got him on or Patriots have got him on quite you know a, a four-year deal so you know that's you know hopefully Touchwood he's not going anywhere so maybe next year he's, he's going to be more of the year that we see from him but I you know I always keep a sharp eye as you like to say on the Titans anyway so <laughs> but the, the next four games, I think, might be key. If he gets a good rest and, you know, he's doing OK with that shoulder injury, it would be interesting to see, particularly kind of against such good teams as the Colts and the and the Bills at home, as I said, if, they, if they're still that good. You never know. We might have completely broken them and that would be funny. But anyway, um, <laughs> enough about that. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see if he's utilised and how he's utilised. And, and But the key, I think, is going to be if that shoulder injury lets him really... I mean, Hunter was, as you said, was great in blocking, sealing the edge and such. I mean, I hate that he him only being used as a blocker, but he's really effective. And it was the type of play that was needed. And I mean, I'm fully on board with that. You use the guy how you're best going to utilise him to win the game. And, you know, that's fair enough. I just love seeing him with the ball, with the odds after the catch in the end zone where he's strong and seeing that big guy grab the ball and, you know, doing his jump spike kind of thing. So, yeah, a little. <laughs> little feminine sigh there yeah that's you know that's that's kind of what I want the most sort of thing but I appreciate that he was utilized the best way that was necessary in that game and and that was you know being a key blocker and as you mentioned sort of a makeshift tight end sort of thing although I know that he would have been sort of eligible um Mike on when you he played as an amazing blocking tight end I don't really see him running routes kind of thing I'm not really sure if he's really a a jet sweep kind of guy that kind of thing (laughs) But um, you know, you never know. He might be a bit more nimble on his feet than we, you know, than we realise. But yeah, he he, as you know, a, a pseudo tight end. He did he did kind of re- he did really good with the blocking and and it just solidified the offensive line generally, you know, generally speaking, sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, there wasn't much there for us to see in regards to the tight ends, but I would still give them a good rating simply because I'm the empress of tight endage you know the baroness of blockers what can I say it's very very difficult for me to give them a bad grade anyway even when they haven't played the best although I do tend to quite be realistic I've you know said about Jono and stuff like this so they did the jobs that they were given I think and they did them well which these guys you know they're great NFL players so they're going to anyway so yeah I think you know tight ends they've got to at least have kind of like an A for all their blocking I would say that uh, is uh, an agreement, uh, in my opinion. I'm not going to disagree with the Countess on tight end. Did you become crazy, folks? I was going to say, you know, it's uh, quite a dangerous situation to put yourself in. <laughs> exactly. Don't forget, you got a weekly spot here now. So, you know, it's not like I can just say, yeah, that's right. And, uh, yeah, you know what? I don't think I'm going to answer that DM today. Not kidding. Uh, bottom line, I do agree with you. First of all, I think Michael Wayne would be the first to agree with you, but he's not a big Jets week guy. We're not going to see Mike take the Jets week. Watch next week. Bill Belichick will listen to Locked On Patriots, and he'll go, oh, you got to get Jets seen week it. against oh. the Colts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would love to see it. And you know what? I, I Mike that. is much more agile, much more of an athlete than his size would indicate. Um, I've seen him, you know, maneuver around and maneuver around pretty well in practice fields. So who knows, folks? You know, I mean, you never can say never with the New England Patriots. If you told me prior to Monday that the 
Patriots would only attempt three passes against the Buffalo Bills, even with the difficulties that we knew they were going to face in the weather, I would have called you irrational and uh, probably being, uh, you know, very, very That's clean when it comes to that. Exactly. But um, bottom line that, you, you know, you never can tell um, with regard to Hunter Henry, uh, you know, be, be rest, rest assured. He's, he's coming back in that form. Uh, this was game plan folks. This was not Hunter being in the doghouse. Uh, someone oh, gosh, sent me a message I... yesterday with the snap counts. When I wrote about the snap counts for sports illustrated yesterday, people were like, well, what's with Henry only getting 15 snaps. I was like, well, did you watch the game? Did you see that? It wasn't necessarily, exactly. you know, yeah, yeah like he wasn't going to be deployed of, there. Watch the game. Don't look at the numbers. Don't right. always look at them. You need to, it, it's, it, it needs to be a married situation. If you're going right. to judge a game, you need to watch and, and yeah, quite, yeah, have the numbers. I'm not knocking it at all, but you, you can't, you can't just look at a stat sheet and know how a guy is. You, you cannot judge somebody right. from, from numbers like that. Not at all. Because as I mentioned, the blocking doesn't come into it. And Hunter had a great game blocking. So, you know, yeah, if, if he wasn't there blocking, the guys wouldn't get through and things like this. You know, the run game would have nothing on it. So right. those things don't show up. So, as you said, yeah, don't don't always look at the numbers or at least if you enjoy looking at the numbers, at least look at the game, too, before you kind of make your, you know, make your assessment. Absolutely. Everything in context. Mm. And I completely agree with you on Hunter. And. As for what you said about John, I think there is, uh, you know, some level of anticipation for him to have that breakout performance. And we talked about this now for the last couple of weeks, and I don't mm. necessarily know if the Patriots are going to be pushing for that. We've heard Josh McDaniel say several times that this is a foundational year for John, getting him acclimated into the new system that is the New England Patriots offense. But look, 25 catches, 259 yards, one touchdown. A lot of people are looking at that and saying that's not exactly living up to 31 and a quarter million dollars guaranteed four year, $50 million contract in free agency this year. So I know that there is still some anticipation for him to break out. Um, I can tell you from what I've seen from him on the practice fields, what I've seen from him in training camp um, and what we continue to see the little snippets of practice that we are allowed to watch. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Jono continues to move well. I know the shoulder has been hampering him. It is a complex system to be able to learn, but this guy can thrive in that type of environment once it clicks. And it does seem to be getting better each and every week. So still a lot of faith in Jono Smith. I know there's a work ethic and just a, a desire uh, to be the best player that he can be. That to me tells me that he's ready to break out and he is going to be a good player here for a number of years to come for the duration of his contract at the very least. Uh, I think the Patriots will uh, be happy with that signing, even if there are some that are a little restless in that area right now. You don't always well, need a breakout game though. So Exactly. You really, it's, really don't. You know, necessarily. It, he could slowly, slowly just you know, get to his level and then, then, and then you see it kind of thing. There doesn't always necessarily need to be, although it's obviously fun to watch, there doesn't always necessarily need to be that one, you know, phenomenal explosion. You, when you add all the little bits up together that we've had so far this season from him, although the numbers aren't like, as you mentioned, what you kind of want for his money sort of thing. If you look at them as, as sprinkles of, 
of in their own little pocket how good they are then you know we're getting there with it so I, I I don't think I think waiting for a big explosion of him might be doing him a bit of a disservice I don't I, I kind of personally in my own opinion don't necessarily think maybe that's kind of on the horizon and that's not a slant on him I just don't kind of think that's how it's going to work out I just think we're going to see the best bits of him in bits throughout the season in, in all fairness but as I said that's just just my opinion and I just hope that maybe the next four games we get to see that bit more to sort of satisfy the appetites of everyone that's kind of saying how expensive he is for what we've seen so far. Absolutely and again folks continue to keep watch on the tight endage of the New England Patriots and Claire is definitely the great person <laughs> that will be able to help you keep an eye on those tight ends throughout uh, the rest of the season and speaking of the rest of the season we're going to get Claire's thoughts on the earlier part of the season and we're going to dip into her area of expertise and that is tight endage but not before taking a last look at tight endage performance in Monday's game against Buffalo. It wasn't just the offensive tight ends that Claire had her eye on. It was also defending against a prolific Bills tight end. Someone I wrote about earlier last week, tight end Dawson Knox of the Buffalo Bills. How did the Patriots contain this player? Claire and I will discuss that and more when this Wednesday episode with the Countess of Class of Locked On Patriots continues. Locked On listeners, this holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar, Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate. It sounds so good, doesn't it? It is that good, but amazingly low in calorie, which is true. It's even better than you think. Sugar, net carbs, fat, all very low when it comes to this delicious treat and very high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. And there's so many flavors to choose from. You're going to have a hard time choosing. You could either choose from raspberry or mint brownie, cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, my personal favorite, but so many. Definitely check out the website, Built.com. You will go crazy over the flavors that they offer. But Built Bar also offers that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all of those holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or your purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Don't delay. Do it today. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next purchase. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Locked on listeners, we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Patriots fans, the empress of tight endage, the queen of 
T-E, the Baroness of Blockers, the Countess of Class herself, Claire Classy, Claire Cooper, phenomenal Patriots writer for Pat's Propaganda and full press coverage. Patriots joins me here today on the pod. And Claire, in the previous segment, we talked a little bit about the Patriots win and the impressive nature of it, despite it not being the most aesthetically pleasing uh, game in the world to watch. And we also talked a little Patriots tight endage. We talked about Jonu Smith. We talked about Hunter Henry. Michael Wainu is going to be in that group now because he keeps lining up at tight ends. We talked a little <laughs> Jakob Johnson. Kevin Asiasi, well, not so much. He's kind of languishing there in the area of inactives, but who knows? Maybe we'll get a chance to talk about him a little bit more. That's been sparing, but unfortunately, it's just the way the ball bounces with uh, the New England Patriots and football. But the Patriots knew that it wasn't just going to be enough to game plan for their own tight ends. They had the game plan to shut down a prolific tight end in their own right, someone who is tied with Hunter Henry for the most touchdown catches in the league right now, um, and that is among tight ends, uh, and that is tight end Dawson Knox of the Buffalo Bills. When Kyle Duggar went down with COVID and unfortunately still in uh, on the COVID reserve list, we're waiting on information from Kyle. Uh, judging by Bill Belichick's comments to the media yesterday, it seems like uh, they're planning on him being back in action and ready to go uh, for the December 18th game against the Colts, Saturday night game. Should be a fun one there in Indianapolis. But bottom line, the New England Patriots right now know that in order to be able to shut down tight ends like that, they need that three safety set. And unfortunately, you take one of the more prolific members of that tight end, of that uh, safety set out of the equation and it throws a wrench into those plans. But the Patriots were still able to contain Dawson Knox with great coverage by my guy, Adrian Phillips. And I wrote about Phillips being the perfect guy to be able to defend Knox. And he essentially checked all the boxes, minus that one missed tackle on the Singletary run that almost set up some points for the uh, for the Buffalo Bills, significant points. Uh, he came back and came up with two big uh, pass uh, breakups on uh, passes that were intended for Knox to have gone for big yardage and could have gone for scores. So, Claire, when you look at what, Phillips and the Patriots were able to do what impressed you most about how they were able to contain someone like Dawson Knox and do you see this as a blueprint for what they might do when Kyle comes back into the fold and they continue to try to defend some pretty good tight ends down the stretch well firstly Adrian Phillips I know is someone that you've championed on this show and quite rightly it's good that you have an affection for a player the way that us regular fans do as well I mean I championed him on my um, in my Pats Propaganda game recap and actually also on the recent episode of One Patriot's Place if any of the listeners want to go and check those out yep shameless shameless plug there um, but anyway seriously um, we talked about Knox on last week's show and from that I was a little concerned because it, you know he is a really good tight end, but Adrian Phillips was like, "Nah, girl, I got this. Don't you? Don't you worry about it." His man coverage of Knox was really impressive. It, as you said, he shut a lot down. I mean, Knox is a bit of a go-to guy for Allen in in that kind of respect. Not the only one, obviously, but one of. And Phillips was just not letting that happen. He was, uh, you know, a, one of the more productive touchdown tight ends. But Phillips was having none of it. Mid-second quarter, he was all in there, knocking the ball away, as you said. So you asked me about um, previously off air if I had to grade this guy. And, I, you know, I give him an A 
Philip's performance on Knox was totally A. I would have said an A plus, but I'm a bit of a hard ass. And uh, towards the end of the fourth quarter, Phillips had a great run at the running back singletary, but he lost him and they got precious yardage. So, you know, that kind of, I marked him down a little bit there. So he did awesome. And definitely, I know that he's your guy anyway. So I'm totally giving Phillips an A for his performance. Now, in regards to like blueprint and going forward, there's always the concern that the Bills will kind of cotton on to what the Patriots did and they'll, you know, turn it and use it against them. So there's always that consideration that Knox will now train away and, you know, be able to get out of reach of Phillips significantly. Like you said, Duggan should be back, hopefully, fingers crossed, Touchwood, whatever. So they might be able to utilise him instead of Phillips and I know Phillips went off with an injury, so does that worry? I don't have any information. Does that worry that maybe they'll end up having to switch him for Duggar anyway if if he's out? But I think we're sort of still waiting to hear back in general media kind of mm-hmm. thing in regards to Phillips being out or not. But with the bye, hopefully that just gives them all this extra time to kind of recover everybody to rest, that kind of thing. So I think in regards to that, going forward against the Bills looking ahead they'll you want to say that they'll do the same thing against them because it was so successful but it flustered the Bills so much that is it a case of that they'll see it coming and be able to work against it however they pretty much told the Bills that they were going to run the ball on them and they couldn't do anything about it so them knowing what the Patriots are going to do it might not matter. It it might be that the Patriots are just that good against them that it, it's not really going to impact that. So one of those, really. Um, I'm interested. To me, it's like, as Bill always says, we're on to the next one kind of thing. So we're on to Indy. And, and this game is some is one that really is, is interesting for me because the, the Colts have been more successful than sort of maybe, or particularly I anticipated, I don't know anybody else kind of thing. So they're turning into a, a reasonably good team sort of thing. So I don't know. I don't have in front of me actually what their record is at the moment, um, what their standings at. So, but I, I know that they've been doing pretty well. So yeah, I think that um, that's going to be an interesting one if you're looking sort of in the future. But um, yeah, Adrian Phillips, definitely he gets an A. I would agree with you. And I uh, am grinning ear to ear uh, in agreeing with you, uh, by the way, on that. Um, no, look, I mean, I, I know that I'm, I'm ripped a lot for uh, for being the, uh, the the resident Adrian Phillips stan here. Uh, hey, I was I little Miss fortune. Izzo over here. You, you can't complain. <laughs> you cannot complain about any ribbing that you get because firstly, the whole well, time. I'm not ribbed for, but, yeah. I, I'm not ribbed. Yeah, I'm not ribbed for liking Adrian. I think he's got a lot of fans <laughs> in this area. And believe me, I'm certainly not alone, but uh, I am for constantly, you know, uh, you know, touting him and uh, and giving him, uh, uh, you know, all the, uh, the, the accolades that I do simply because it's been a situation where I've had the chance to cover him both in Los Angeles, San Diego, yeah. really to start, and then coming here to New England. And he's just always a player that I've admired. I really admired his perseverance. And he wasn't quite the superstar that he's become here in New England, in Los Angeles. He was really known more for his special teams prowess than anything else. And Adrian is a phenomenal special teams player. Uh, but he had some difficulty. He was released and brought back. I mean, there's there's a good backstory on Adrian Phillips, folks, that uh, um, I will be working on a little bit in the bye week uh, to kind of tell his story a little bit more to keep a sharp eye on that for Sports Illustrated. But at the same time, coming here into this system, he just has settled in so well 
to that star role in the Patriots defense. He can be used as the hybrid box safety. Uh, he can be capable of playing outside. He can even get into, uh, you know, the linebacker situation, even a line on the defensive line. So this is a kid that can do it all, and he's done it well. But Adrian is at his best when playing in the box, and you saw that on Monday, just against a guy like Dawson Knox who really needs someone to stick with him, to be able to make plays, get your hands in, knock the ball loose. Adrian yeah. is so good at being able to do that. That makes him the ideal defensive back to cover a tight end or a running back because he's a strong tackler. He's got great speed and he's very effective when playing close to the line of scrimmage. And that's something that Dawson is able to utilize to his advantage when he's not covered properly. And he does it as well as anyone in the league. When you put a guy like Adrian Phillips on him, all of a sudden it changes things. And even in the previous meetings, when these two teams met last year, and Phillips held, uh, you know, Dawson to zero catches, provided solid coverage in the red zone. Those two pass breakups were huge when it came to that. So I agree with you on your assessment. I do think that uh, Adrian deserves an <laughs> A for his efforts. Uh, we're certainly hoping that uh, his knee injury continues uh, to get better and go in the right direction. Uh, very in, uh, encouraging uh, message that he sent out after the game by Twitter. Uh, oh, yeah, seems yeah. to indicate that he'll be moving in the right direction, but we still wait for official word. Uh, Patriots won't be issuing another injury report until next week. Uh, but at the same time, we continue to hope to hear a little bit and at least know that Adrian is moving in the right direction. And by the way, the Indianapolis Colts right now sit at second place in the AFC South, seven and six, but I think overachieving, and I don't think indicative of being just one game over 500. This is a very dangerous team. The Patriots mm -hmm. are going to have their hands full coming up into the bye. And we'll talk a little bit more about the Colts, Claire, next week because I don't want to take away from the <laughs> fact that the New England Patriots are on their well-deserved bye week. They deserve this time off. And we like to talk about prognostications. We like to talk about what's moving forward. But you can't really move forward unless you have a good understanding of what's already happened. And that's what I wanted to discuss today to bring it all home for our audience. You are the Empress of tight endage, forever the Empress of tight endage. And we <laughs> bow at the majesty of the knowledge of the Countess of Class. See, see, see folks, whenever I do this, this, this see, that's, that's the response we're looking for here on Locked on Patriots. We love it. You know why she's here? That's it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're here to bring the wisdom and counsel, and I'm going to pull upon your wisdom and counsel. We know you're an expert on tight endage. Why fight it? Um, <laughs> in terms of this season, we talked a lot, Claire, about heading into this season, the 12-22 man personnel, the prolific nature of Hunter Henry, of Jonu Smith, uh, Devin Asiasi helping out. We even talked about Dalton Keene. Remember him, folks? Yeah. He's on yeah. you know, season-ending injured reserve, but he's still very much in potentially in the future plans for the New England Patriots. But it's been an up-and-down year for the tight ends. We've had some great moments, and there have been some head-scratching moments as well. As you look back at the first part of the 2021 season, and even though it's not really a half, it feels like it when you head into the bye week. What has been your favorite tight endage moment or moments in 2021 thus far? Okay, I am a little bit biased and I apologize everybody, but you you knew it was going to be like this if you're asking me that question because I am a huge Hunter Henry fan. So it, it's got to be, it's got to be on him completely. And I mean, significantly with Hunter, it, we've seen a lot more from him than we have Smith for various reasons, as we've touched upon many times, so I'm not going to go into. But we've he's been in the role significantly that he was 
for the charges as well. So the, his integration may may have been a little bit easier. Who knows? But he's integrated so well in the Patriots, and he's that go-to guy for Mac that he's so exciting to see. And not to compare them in a way to to Brady and Gronk, but just the similarity of of that sort of relationship between two players, between a quarterback and his tight end, for me is very exciting because obviously being a tight end enthusiast, it's exciting. I think it's exciting for the rest of the fans because it, it's lovely to have that sort of thing from the quarterback who is new kind of thing and, and the tight end that was new sort of thing. So it, it's nice that they've got this bond, this relationship that we can build on and something to look forward to as Patriots fans going forward as, you know, as they create the next dynasty and this, that and the other, that we've got this brilliant quarterback to tight end relationship. But my favourite moments are all really going to be Hunter. And and I, you know, I do express my apologies over this indulgence, but he had, um, it was five, it was six, a, a row of six touchdowns in five games and he exceeded the, the streak or it was, yeah, he exceeded the longest um, receiving touchdown streak by a Patriots tight end since Gronk in 2013, sorry. And he did that during the Jets game back at the end of October so it's difficult for me to pick one so I actually quickly went through all of his touchdowns because all of them are fantastic so I just wanted to quickly share them all with you really because his first one was at the Bucks game um I mean it was a great throw from Mac he gets into the end zone it was his first Patriots touchdown so that in itself was probably the most exciting because it was the first time that I really got to celebrate tight ended success tight ended touchdown whatever you want and it was great because it was a it was a good throw from Mac and he kind of had to semi-fight to get into the end zone so he had a little bit of work to do as well so and then we got that fantastic Hunter Henry jumping up spike kind of celebration that's amazing with all the, the you know the rest of the team coming down so that might be my favorite but I just wanted to touch upon the rest because the the touchdown in the Texans game it was a clutch pass on third down from Max so you know something else that was of a success from a third down that's always kind of a concern the Cowboys game although it was a loss there was the driving catch that was a 20-yard pass from Mac. The Jets game, that was the game that was the fourth straight game with a receiving touchdown, which was the longest streak by a Patriots tight end since Gronk in 2013. So, And that was kind of a juggle and catch in the end zone. So it was kind of a held your breath for a single moment while he kind of maintained ball security sort of thing. And then the Browns game, and he had two touchdowns. So that was, a, you know, that was extra exciting that to celebrate tight ended twice. Um, and both were quite effortless in, in the end zone sort of thing. So it was literally kind of a throw from Mac to a catch to Hunter Henry in the end zone. So all of those, you know, like top five sort of things, five slash six, I suppose, if you wanted to, was the same. But um, yeah, I think out of all of them, my favourite is, although they lost the game, and it was against Brady and things like this. The books game wasn't a game that I really particularly enjoyed. I did enjoy the touchdown with it being his first ever touchdown and the celebration that came from it and that kind of thing. So it set off the the, the sort of the winning streak for him, if you like, with with the touchdowns. And, and that was exciting. And the fact that he managed to kind of break, not a record, if you like, but a streak that had been set by Gronk. It's like, I'm here. I'm a really good tight end. And you know, you can love me as much as you want sort of thing because I'm, I'm going to be this tight end for you sort of thing. So, yeah, 
all of that for me has been really exciting so far. I just hope that this little kind of fast that we've had as he hasn't had a touchdown in a few games ends when they hit the Colts game and, and, and he's there in the end zone sort of thing because it's such an exciting... And the other thing that makes it really exciting for me is the interaction that I get with fans. As I mentioned on the thanks Thanksgiving episode, how thankful I was for all the Patriots fans that I get to interact with and the ones that get that like tweet at me when it's a tight end touchdown and stuff like this. It, it's amazing. It's it's helped me get through kind of the last sort of 18 months, as, as I mentioned on then. So I'm not going to kind of go all into it again, but it, it adds that extra element of just excitement and stuff. So and I think that's something else that makes it one of my most favourite moments is because I get to enjoy it in that way as well. Not only as a fan enjoying sort of my team and enjoying my favourite player, that kind of thing. I get to enjoy it with Patriots fans around the world as well. And, you know, adding that dimension to something just makes it kind of like so much more, you know, so much better, so much more exciting. So Really, that's a big long list of, you know, what is your favourites kind of thing. But just, you know, bottom line, it's just a Hunter Henry touchdown. If if you show me a Hunter Henry touchdown and I will show you a big smile. <laughs> <laughs> and I can feel the smile. We all can feel the smile all the way from West Midlands in the UK. As you describe tight endage memories, I noticed the trade of Ryan Izzo wasn't on the list. I'm a little surprised by that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> How can you notice, do that to me? How could notice, you bring up such a silence. memory? Notice the silence. That's the kind of the response that I was looking for on that. I had to. I had no choice. So I had to do that. So cool. <laughs> do you hear this, folks? Do you hear the cruelty that I'm getting here after all this quite empty to love? So mean. So mean. We didn't know you had it in you, Mike. So mean. I, you know, just one of those things. <laughs> I, I couldn't, it was a, it was too dynamite of a drop in for me not to drop, but no, all kidding aside, Countess, <laughs> we always, always appreciate your wisdom and counsel. And we always appreciate your insight on tight end. You've given to me. I happen to also enjoy uh, the, uh, the, the game against the jets to me. Uh, anytime you can inflict any type of demoralizing damage uh, to gain green, I'm always for it. And uh, Hunter Henry has been everything to me as advertised, and he continues yeah, to completely. develop that synergy with Mac Jones. These two are going to be a great uh, combination uh, for many years to come, folks. And again, don't give up on John o. Smith because there is oh, a no, lot to like there. It's lurking below the surface, but uh, it does not surprise me that your favorite tight end memories of 2021 <laughs> so far would include Hunter Henry. I think anybody would probably agree, but who are we to disagree with the empress of tight endage herself? <laughs> Claire, it's always a blast when you come on, even despite my little jab there, and I apologize for that. Um, we do enjoy having you on here each and every week, and that will continue, folks, even through the bye week and all the way through the playoffs. Who thought we'd be covering playoff games, Claire? But we're going to. It looks like, unless a catastrophic thing happens, the Patriots look to be headed in that direction, and we'll continue to have you covered here on Locked On Patriots. In the meantime... Please let everyone, all of our listeners, new listeners know where they can find you, follow you, interact with you, and what we can look forward to from the great voice, the great pen of Claire Cooper in the coming days and weeks. Oh, well, thank you, Mike. So, and and listeners, if you want to send any, like, mean remarks over to Mike for his mean remark about his own, no, I'm joking, because I know that nobody <laughs> will, because nobody cares. There's only me that cares about his own. Um, but no, seriously, um, if you want to find me, I'm at Twitter, which is at Clazy Claire, which is C-L-A-Z-Z-Y-C-L-A-R-E. I write, as Mike mentioned, for patspropaganda.com. 
each and every week you'll get my game recap and I do kind of random things here and there for them as well and also obviously my colleague Tom Shaw Mellers with his um his ups and downs and his previews so please go over and check that out I also write occasionally for for press coverage patriots and that is where as Mike mentioned my eclair perspective the podcast is produced and held so you can find that everywhere that you download your podcast basically so I do urge you to go and have a listen and see if you enjoy and kind of rate and subscribe and all that kind of stuff that they ask you to do uh, in regards to podcasts and as Mike also mentioned one Patriots place each and every week with the great Steve Balistrieri and Thomas Murphy you'll find me as uh, voice number three over there every week as mentioned so if you want to find me you can find me there's pretty much a few places here there and everywhere so there's another episode of a a Claire perspective is due out soon um, my last one was last week and that was with the fantastic Ricky Hollywood uh, Erica Tamposi of around the NFL so you know that that's coming at you probably within every two weeks and one Patriots place is a weekly thing and as you mentioned at the very beginning of the show you'll find me here in my own little seat and locked on Patriots over Wednesday so please don't miss out on that one <laughs> Absolutely, and we uh, we encourage you not to miss out on that one. Don't miss out on that one. <laughs> and liking the Locked On Patriots podcast, you know that the golden melodious tones of my friend and colleague here will join me every single Wednesday. But again, folks, I cannot recommend the work that Claire does highly enough. Uh, Pat's propaganda, the work that she's doing, is so phenomenal over there. Full Press Patriots, obviously, a site that's near and dear to my heart, always will be. She continues to do phenomenal work and crushes it for that site. A Claire perspective is an amazing podcast folks i tell you smash that subscribe button because you will not be disappointed claire delivers not just on great guests but great insight awesome interaction it's entertaining it's informative it's everything you want a podcast to be so please go ahead and you know subscribe to that uh listen to it of course after you listen to locked on patriots but claire will tell you the other side but you know we're, we're here to help each other out in the meantime countess please stay safe stay well enjoy the bye week And we'll talk to you right here next week on Locked On Patriots. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much, Mike. And thank you, everyone, as ever, for listening and for getting me to be kind of a regular. I really appreciate it. So I'm I'm glad that you're enjoying it. And I hope that you continue to. (laughs) We do. And we will continue to have you back here. Talk to you next week, my friend. Thanks. Just like that, Pats fans, we are more than halfway through your work week. And thank you once again for making Locked On Patriots your first listen every day. And coming up on Thursday on the pod, I know you're all used to crossover Thursday and probably wondering, well, there's no crossover this week because there's no game. It's the bye week. There will still be a crossover. It's a traditional crossover. And tune in tomorrow to find out who my special guest will be. A very Patriot-centric episode with one of the better Patriots minds in the Locked On Podcast Network. Not name yours truly. So we will definitely have some fun tomorrow. Make sure to stay locked into Locked On Patriots and continue to make Locked On Patriots a daily part of your New England Patriots coverage. Now, seeing that your daily Locked On Patriots fix has been satisfied, make your second listen, the Locked On Bets podcast, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Once again, my name is Mike DeBate. I thank my good friend Claire, Kalazi Claire Cooper, for joining me from West Midlands in the UK. Thank her for her time, her insight, and her appearance on today's pod. But most of all, I thank you so much for listening, and again, for continuing to make Locked On Patriots 
a daily part of your New England Patriots coverage. Until tomorrow, Foxborough faithful, stay safe, stay well, be the change that you wish to see in the world. Have a great day, everyone.